0: This week and for the next couple of weeks, I want to spend a little bit of time talking to you, chatting about a couple of things that might seem very basic to you, that, that depending on, on where you're at and your walk and your relationship with God and the habits you have that are centered around this, this might seem kind of remedial to you, especially if you grew up in church. And, and you, you've probably heard these things over and over again. I, I won't sing it, but maybe if I say the word. If you grew up in church, you might know, like, read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. That you, we've, we've heard these things since we were little. We've had them kind of drilled into us. But yet, even though we know them, so many of us can struggle with these things a lot in the U.S., and I, I can't imagine it's better in Canada. As Canada has uh, Canada is is on uh, on a on the front edge of of the post-Christianization of of society more so than the United States is. And so, as we read some of these 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 um, statistics and we read them from the U.S. We go, well, that's the U.S. that's not here. Probably it's worse here. But the only ones I could find were from the U.S. And in the U.S. in 2021, 29% of Christians, or supposed to we'll say 29, not 23, but 29% of Christians say that they never read their Bible. And the survey that I saw broke it down into categories like I read my Bible once a year. And so what this meant was that there were people who looked at a category that said, I read my Bible once a year, and were like, no, that's still too much. I need to check the next one over. I need to say that I never read my Bible. So what that meant was that there was 29 of Christians that believe that categorizing their reading of the Bible as once a year was a bridge way too far. I can't. I couldn't say that I read my Bible that frequently, and yet that's that's just once once a year. Oh, this is where the twenty-three percent. Twenty-three percent would say that they that they read their Bible several times a week or more. So, only twenty-three percent of Christians would say at least twice a week I, I read my Bible. About half of all Christians will say that they pray every day. Now, now, that sounds better, but for some Christians, praying every day looks like, dear Jesus, thank you for this food, amen. That, that, that this ritual that we can have instilled inside of our families that, that we pray before meals, which is a good and right thing to do. But if our prayer life consists of, dear Jesus, thank you for this food, amen, we may pray every day. But that's not the prayer life that, that God wants for us. About 70% of Christians, and and again, believe me, it isn't better in Canada, uh, uh, 70% of of Christians in the U.S. would say about themselves that they go to church at the most once a month. 58% would say that they go to church seldomly or less. That that the best term they could use to categorize their church attendance is seldom or, or less than that. Now, congratulations, because if you're here that probably means you come more than seldomly. Maybe not, but, but maybe. That, that just on the off chance that you're here, that, that gives us some, some hope that, that this isn't always just talking about us. But here's the reality. As much as I, I want to believe the best about us, as much as I want to believe the best about you, and as much as I want to believe the best about me, and, and think, I know all of this is true, but it's not true for us. It's pretty naive to think that, that we've created sort of an ecosystem where, where it's true for everywhere else, but not true for the hundred or so people that, that come to church here, that, that this doesn't apply to us. And so over the next three weeks, we're going to talk about three habits which will change you forever if you build them into your everyday life. The power, of course, isn't in the habits. The power, of course, doesn't come from doing something and simply performing an action. You can practice these habits, you can do these things and completely miss the point. But if we can do these things regularly, it can lead us to focus daily on what matters most and to see God and how he shows up in our ordinary, complicated life. And so if we want to see things change, if if we want to be the church to be the people who buck the trend, if, if you want to see these things become a part of your life, if you want to see yourself in some of those numbers that are good and not see yourself in some of the numbers that we talked about were challenging the place, if we want to see real change in our lives, it's to start to experiment with small, consistent actions to find what will help us reach our goal. In Acts chapter 2, we read about the beginning of the church. We we see this moment where the the, the disciples, the apostles, the followers of Jesus, they're gathered together in this upper room, and the Holy Spirit comes on them. And and they begin to to speak in tongues, and and they begin to to move out in life, and and they go outside, and people are, are they drunk? What is going on? All this crazy stuff. And Peter gets up and he preaches this sermon to this crowd of thousands and thousands of people. And in that moment, 3,000 people give their life to Jesus and and they begin to take that step forward. But then as the the chapter draws to a close, we're sort of given like an insight into what the early church looked like. We're sort of given an overview of of who they are and and what they did. And in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it will sum up what the church was about, and it will say this, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Now there's three things in here that we're going to talk about. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And these are the three things that we're going to talk about over the next couple of weeks. Not in that order. We're actually going to do them, do them out of order because they build on one another. But at, over the next few weeks, we're going to look at these core things that mattered most in the early church. That if we, if we go back to when this thing whole all started. The reason why we're here today is because of what happened in Acts chapter 2. And so if we go back to Acts chapter 2 to see where this all began then we can understand perhaps a little bit about where we need to be. We're going to look at these three core things that mattered most in the early church and these three things that are so crucial in helping us grow in, in, in our relationship with God, with Jesus Christ. Now, one of the things that we need to talk about before we begin down this just briefly is that for some of you, you say, I already do these things. So do I not need to come to church for the next three weeks? To which I would say, if that's your heart, then yes. You need to come to church for the next three. Oh, the sermon doesn't apply to me. I'm taking three weeks off. No, let's gather together because you know the importance of that. But if these things are, are, are a part of you and you say, I already do them, that's great. That's wonderful. And I'm so grateful for you. But you need to understand that you're the exception and not the rule. And so if you do all these things, join with me in praying for our brothers and sisters to be able to develop these habits in our lives. And I want to let you know as well, we're going to be pretty practical in these things. I'm going to give you some really practical pieces of how to do these things, how to add them to your lives. I don't want to just give you the spiritual reasons for why you need to do them, but leave you tool list to figure it out. But I want to give you the reasons why you need to do this, and then practically be able to say, here's how you can do these things. But these things that we're going to talk about, they're not just good. We read them in the Bible. We read them at the beginning of, of the church. And this week we're going to start with the Apostles' teaching. Now, that's a pretty strange terminology for us, that, that we're going we're gonna to talk about how we, can, how we can devote ourselves to the Apostles' teaching. But what that really means for us is that we need to read our Bible That's how we discover the apostles, the the followers of Jesus' teachings, is is for us to be in our Bibles. When when we read about the the birth of the church, they read the Old Testament, they they remembered the words of Jesus, and we have the New Testament that we can reflect on. And this is probably the best place for us to start, because it's probably the most important one of these, This is because the Bible is where we learn about Jesus, where we learn about God, about who God is, what God has done, what God has said, how we are to understand God. And this is probably the best place for us to start because it's good to pray, but it's better to pray to a God that we've gotten to know. It's hard to pray to a God that we know nothing about. It's hard to pray to a God that we don't know what He said. It's good to go to church. It's good to worship, but it's better to worship a God that we know. It's better to worship a God that we've learned about through His word, that we know why we're worshiping, not just because it's the first half of the service. And reading the Bible is how we get to know our God. The Bible' is not just an, an historical archive, although it is historical. It's not a collection or fables about a people who claim to be God's people. The pages of scripture are where I get to understand God's desire for his creation. It's where I get to see the ups and downs of the human condition and God's loving response through all of it. It's where I get to see God's ultimate response in love to humanity That in the death, life, resurrection of Jesus Christ to set us free from the bondage of sin. It's where I get to understand the consequences of the actions that are against God to understand sin and to understand that Jesus dealt with sin. It's where I get to discover what it means to have grace and how to live out my faith. And it's where I get to discover the assurance of God's ultimate victory. Scripture will tell us that the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. That it's not just a book we read, but it's, a, it's the living word of God and it has an effect and it changes us. That's why 2,000 years later, we, we haven't started preaching from another book because we've covered the whole first one that we can come back to the word of God again and again because it's alive and active. It will tell us that, that your word is a lamp for my feet and a light to my path. That as we look to understand our lives, we can turn to the pages of scripture. There's not a book of Brad where I get to turn to, but whenever I need to understand life, I can turn to the word of God because it's a light to my path. Everything that we need for life And godliness is contained in these words. Being in the Bible is critical for your spiritual growth. There isn't a spiritual action that we can do that's more important than being in God's word. There isn't anything that can substitute it. Hearing me preach and hearing me read God's word and even our short scripture readings at the start of the service, there's something... And they can affect us and they can change us, but nothing will change your walk with God more than being in the Word of God. But if you're not currently a Bible reader and you think maybe you'd like to do that as as I'm preaching and I'm talking about this and you're thinking, yeah, that's me. Me. Maybe I, I better start today. The problem is... It's a thousand page book. It's a big book. And it's only a thousand pages if it's got really small words in it. If you've got one of the editions that has some bigger words in it, it's a lot more, you know, bigger in terms of type size, it's a lot more than a thousand pages. That's a hard obstacle to clear that I don't read it at all. Here, give me this thousand page book and let's get going It's a scary idea. It's a tough thing to start. But getting started isn't as hard as you might think. I'll give you some tips in just a couple of moments on how to read your Bible successfully. But but before we do that, here are some guidelines to help build in the habit of engaging your Bible. So, So here's how to start, and then we're going to talk about how to be successful. So how do we start reading our Bible? First, choose a format. If you like to read there's a book. If you don't like to read, maybe you'd like to listen. You can choose an auditory Bible. Consider listening to the Bible. But think about how you enjoy learning. How do you enjoy consuming, consuming media? And with that, one of the other things to consider is the translation of the Bible that you want to read. There, there are lots of them with varying levels of readability. I've I've got so many people who have come to me that have never read their Bibles, and and they bring to me an old King James version of the Bible. And I say, don't start there, friends. There are so many words in that that you will never know because you're reading that. And so don't be ashamed if you say, no, I want to start reading in, in the New Living Translation. There's nothing wrong with starting reading in the New Living Translation. Find a, a Bible that's readable in your words and where you are. There's lots of varying levels of readability and scholarship, but find a translation that works for you. Second, choose a goal. The most important thing in choosing a goal is to be realistic. Realistic. If you were to listen to the whole Bible in a year, it's easier to calculate these things by listening rather than reading, because some of us read really, really quickly, and if you're like me, you read really, really slowly, and so it's harder to say how long it would take you. But if you were to listen to an auditory Bible, it would take about 75 hours to listen to the entire Bible from cover to cover. So if you wanted to do that in a year, it would take about 15 minutes a day, but that's also every day. So... It's Christmas Day. Oh, I forgot to read my Bible. Well, now on Boxing Day, you got 30 minutes. That, that, you know, that, that, that can add. 15 minutes doesn't sound like a lot, but once you miss a day, it can start to spiral. But a great option is to select one book of the Bible, to, to read it slowly or, or even reread it for a while. In case you think, I'm, I'm just trying to lower the bar, um, the last, I just have finished, I'm back in Matthew, but I had just finished reading the New Testament, and I read it in a year and a half. It's really slow. But sometimes we have this idea that we need to sprint through the Bible. That if I'm going to read the Bible, I want to read it all in a month. Or I want to read it all in a year. But, but grab a level that's attainable for you. But sometimes we feel convicted to start and we just want to dive in. And we feel like we need to have read the whole thing yesterday. Our, our oldest son, Owen, he had felt convicted to to start reading his Bible more. And so he told me, he said, Dad, every day when I'm done school, I'm going to come home and I'm going to go into my room and I'm going to read my Bible for 45 minutes every day. And I said to him, no, you're not. You're 12 well, at the time, you're 11 years old. You do not have that attention span. And he was committed to starting in Genesis. And I said, That's great. You're going to really struggle with 45 minutes of Leviticus a day. I promise. And it's not going to get any easier when you get to Deuteronomy. It's not. But he was, No, Dad, I'm going to do this. And about three days in, it was like, How are you doing, son? He's like, Oh, I gave up. <laughs> Yeah, but we can put that pressure on ourselves that, oh, I'm not reading my Bible. You know what I need to do? I need to read it all this afternoon. Then I'll feel better. But if you've never read your Bible, a great place to start is the book of John. If you want to start somewhere, if you say, I've never read the Bible, where do I start? Start with the book of John. It's a great place to start. Follow a plan. Find a plan that works for you realistically. Some Bibles, you can buy a Bible that'll have a reading plan in it, or or you can search for Bible reading plans online, or if you've got a a smartphone, which I say if, you all have smartphones. Um, It's just the world we live in. There's an app called YouVersion, and you can get it in Google Play or the App Store. It's free, and it's got thousands of plans available for free on them as a place to start. Third, set a routine. If we want to be successful, one of the most important things that we can do is to make something part of what we do. That if you say, I want to I start going to the gym, so I'll figure out when i got some time to go to the gym, you're probably not going to make it to the gym very often. If you say, I want to read my Bible, so I'll see if I can find 10 minutes a day, you're probably not going to find... 10 minutes a day. If we're just looking for a time around everything else and fitting things into our schedule, it's going to get crowded out. But finding a regular time and place, blocking out distractions, putting your nose or your ears in the text and letting your mind be and heart be led and captured by God, it's the best way to make sure you're setting yourself up for success. For me personally, what my time with inside the Word looks like is when... Sometimes you make really good decisions that you end up paying for for the rest of your life. Um, When when Owen was little, he's our oldest, and my my father's heart struggled with with putting him in in his room to go to bed and then just leaving him in there. I, I struggled with that, of him laying in bed all by himself in the dark. And so when he was a baby, I started laying on his floor till he'd fall asleep because it made me feel better because I knew he was he was safe and he was secure well that stuck around and it stuck around now to his little brother That he said dad stays with with Owen dad needs to stay with me so so now we're 12 years later and I, I don't lay on the floor anymore there's a chair in there now but when Theo goes to bed I sit in his room in the dark, but that's my time. And what else am I going to do? I'm sitting there alone in the dark. So for me, set aside that time and it takes about 20 to 25 minutes. And so I sit with my earphones in and I listen and I read my Bible every day. Find a time. Find a time that works. Third and lastly, How do do we start successfully? We we choose a format. We choose a goal. We set a routine. And then lastly, don't give up. You're going to miss a day here and there. And that's actually the thing that causes most people to quit. Is that you're sailing along and I got a day. I got another one. I got another one. And and if you're using version, it'll tell you how many days in a row you did it. And then you're watching that little ticker go up and up and up. And then you open the app and now it says zero. Your streak's down to zero. And then it'll remind you, one day missed. And then it starts to, to pile up and you're, and then it starts to become guilt and shame and all of a sudden it's like, you know what, unsubscribe from plan, unsubscribe from plan, unsubscribe from plan. I don't need to be reminded every day that I'm not doing this. And then we end up walking away. But you can avoid this by just giving yourself a clean slate. We are called to walk in grace and mercy, and that includes for ourselves. And so if you've given up because you forgot, it's okay to start fresh. It's okay to have your little street drop down to zero. So these are some practical things that, that we can do to build the habit of reading the Bible. These are some things that we can do, but but reading our Bibles isn't just an action to do. That this isn't somehow something that we just have to do in order to appease God, in order to appease the pastor, in order to do the thing that I'm supposed to do. We don't want to just say, I did it, done it, now I'm moving on. I can feel like I can have that weight, that guilt lifted off of me. But we want to have it change us and affect our hearts and our lives. We, we want it to change us. And so in order to make sure that, that it, the word of God is more than just an exercise in discipline, we need to make sure our hearts are in the right place. So, so, so we, those are practical ways that we can start. Now, how can we ensure that our hearts are in the right place? Here are four things to help us make sure our hearts are in the right place. So, first thing we have to do when we start reading the Word, we've picked picked a plan, we've got a time, we're not going to give up even if we mess up, but how can we make sure our heart's in the right place? Well, the first thing we need to do is we need to believe it's worth it. When you get to the hard parts, remember they're in there. For a reason, when you start out, and you're, I'm going to start at Genesis 1:1, and Genesis is full of all these really cool stories and all these amazing things, and and there was a guy who became a ruler in, in Israel, and there's a or in uh, in Egypt, and there's a flood, and there's all these really cool stories, and you get into Genesis or into Exodus, and they're taking the Promised Land. It's all really neat, and then it comes to a grinding halt because now we're just getting read the law. And it just becomes this slow slog. We have to remember that the Bible says this. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The Greek word, or the Greek term for God-breathed is theonoustos. And it means that that scripture is the breath of God. The words of scripture, all of them, they come from God. They are the breath of God breathing life into us. That's why when we read earlier that the word of God is alive and active, it's because it's God's breath being blown into our lives. These, These are not ideas about God. This is the very voice of God speaking to us. Everything in scripture is good. So lean in. A couple weeks ago we talked about genealogies. I read to you 17 verses and names. And we discovered in there that even in genealogies. There's things that we can take away. There's things that, that we can learn. That God can speak to us through that. So we're, as we begin. Believe that the word of God is worth it. Not just the cool stories. But everything in there. Second. Pray. Ask God or ask for God's help as you read or listen. Ask God to speak to you through these words. Ask God to prepare your heart to see what it is that he wants to show you. As you read these words. No, no matter how much you don't know, as you read, I don't know what any of this means, but, but God can still speak to you. No matter how spotty your routine may be, I forgot yesterday and I'm probably gonna forget tomorrow, but at least today I'm here. The Holy Spirit is ready to come alongside and help us. John 6, 63 will tell us this: it's the Spirit that gives gives life, the, the flesh counts. For nothing. Another translation will say, the flesh is no help. The words that I have spoken to you, they are full of the spirit and life. When we, when we read our Bible, we want the spirit and life. But if we try and do it just in our flesh, it's no help. It counts for nothing. We're we're, we're simply performing an action. But when we invite God into our time of reading, when we invite God into our reading of the word of God, then we invite him to change us. We need the spirit. So make sure we're inviting God into your Bible reading. Third, understand that there's a lot to understand. It's it's okay if you don't understand every detail. Getting a broad understanding of the picture is okay. And if you want to go deeper, a Bible with study notes is a great help. There's also explainer videos at thebibleproject.com. A good Bible companion or commentary can also come in handy. And of course, there's always me, Pastor Matt. We're happy to pass along whatever knowledge we might have. There's also the person sitting next to you in church right now. That if you don't know, you say, hey, I read this thing last night. Do You got any insight into that? That's okay. Um, she's not here, so I won't say. But somebody from the church, they, they regularly send me questions as from their Bible readings. Just say, hey, I read this last night. I'm reading in Genesis chapter 6, and it talks about the Nephilim. What's that? And so then i got to try and answer them. But if you've got questions, that's okay. Understand that as you're reading your Bible, if you're like, this is confusing. I don't get it. You're probably in the vast majority of people who feel that way, not the only one in the church who struggles with that. And so reach out to friends. Reach out. We can, we can do this together. And lastly, apply it to your life. As you read or listen, look for a thought, an insight, an action to take into your life. Don't just read the Bible to get it done, but, but we read this verse earlier to understand that every hard, weird, confusing part of the Bible, it's important. But if we, we take a look at that verse again, it will tell us that all Scripture, and so we talked about that, all Scripture is God-breathed, it's theonustos, and it's useful for changing us. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God, that's you and me, so that we may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. This tells us that, that what we're reading, that all scripture, it comes from God, and all scripture has the potential to impact you. It has the opportunity to, to teach you it has the opportunity to challenge us. It can, can correct us. And, and it can show us new things about ourselves and our relationship with God. It's God breathed, it's His breath. It's Theonistos. And so, friends, this morning, what I don't want you to leave church today is feeling a bunch of guilt. Man, the pastor talked about not reading my Bible and he was talking about me. I don't want you to feel guilt. I don't want you to feel shame. I don't want you to rush out of here because you're scared that if I come and say hi to you, you're going to feel guilty. We, we talked about the statistics and if we were able to be open and honest, there would be far more of us who would raise our hand and say, I don't read my Bible every day than there are that would raise their hand and say, I do. I do. What my hope for each one of us gathered here today is that whatever our relationship with the word of God looks like, that you would be encouraged today. That you would be encouraged to know that you can start today and it will make a difference in your life today. That you can be encouraged that God wants to speak to you. That like God's not ashamed of you because you're not reading your Bible. God wants us to start reading our Bibles. So find a plan that fits your life and start reusing, reading these guidelines. Start reading using the guidelines and tips. Keep going, even when you fail or even when it gets hard. Reading our Bibles really does make a difference. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you that you didn't leave us to figure this thing out by ourselves. I thank you that you didn't leave us to somehow do this on our own. But God, I thank you that you gave us the gift of your word. You gave us the gift of scripture. You gave us the gift of the very God-breathed words to us. And so, God, I pray that you would stir up inside each one of us, not guilt, not shame, not somehow, oh, woe is me, I I feel terrible. But, God, I pray that you would stir up inside each one of us a desire to be in your word, a desire to read your Bible, a desire for us to. Be people of the word, and God, I pray that you would help us to to begin that process well, God. That we would set a realistic goal, and that we would find ourselves falling more and more in love with you, and more and more in love with your word because of the time spent with us, God. I thank you that your word is is alive and active, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And God, I pray that that act, that aliveness, that that actionness, would be in our lives, that it would be in our hearts, that it would change us. God, allow us to be people of a word, not out of a pharisaical, I do it because I have to, but out of a heart that says I do it because I want to. I do it because you love me. I do it because I love you, and I want to know more of you. God, would you help us to be people of your word? In your name we pray, amen
1: sometimes we feel so lost we think we'll never be found Thanks again
0: for being a part of this message from Hillside Church. We pray that God was able to speak to you through what was shared. We're so grateful to be able to share God's word with our church community and family. That includes you. And we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Hillside Airdrie. You can contact us through email at info at hillsideairdrie.ca. Or you can go to hillsideairdrie.ca and click on contact us from the main menu. Or you can find our pastoral team contact by clicking on Our Pastors from the Our Church drop-down menu. Our vision for everyone that shares in Hillside Church is that they would know God, know his hope, know his purpose, and know his power in their lives. And we pray this message ministered to you. At Hillside Church we're a family not by blood, but a family that's been bought by blood. As family we go.
1: Like I would save my soul Even in the dark, you never ever let me go I hit the wall face to face with the Holy Ghost Where would I be without God's good mercy? So let me tell you my testimony There's someone praying for you every day Now that's amazing grace And we're singing like oh